Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. Just getting through another week in lockdown. But good old Lucky D. Good old Lucky D. Yeah, I've actually had a really good week because um, I think I might have mentioned the last um, chat, but uh, I have been given an exemption to shoot something um, the last couple of weeks, which is just given me life I feel like very fortunate mm. to be in the position that I actually can shoot a tiny little bit of stuff but um it, it's just completely changed my mental health <laughs> just being able to Good. shoot and edit and produce really beautiful work that I'm proud of and um be in contact yes. with people uh, all of those things have yes. been this week. So I'm, I'm in a really good mental space at the moment, which is good. Um, but I'm also good. conscious that that's not the same for everybody. And I'm incredibly yes. fortunate to um, have this exemption for this particular project. So it's, uh, yeah, oh. it's, let's not talk about COVID today, though. That's, that's the goal. <laughs> no talking about COVID. Talk about the fact that I just drop my lunch everywhere that oh my on. god please go to tamas um is it on your story <laughs> you sent yeah me but it'll probably be expired <laughs> it might be expired. Maybe expired. You, just need, you need maybe you need to, we need to do um a highlights on our podcast yes. uh, page of when we talk about stuff so that people can yes. go and see what we're talking about so it's it's a bit like when you split, we did the splits the other day. People need to see what we're talking about, <laughs> even if we post this a few days later. So we might need to do that in the highlight section. Okay. Oh, totally well, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that. It's, it's, it was the, the photo was a true representation of how I do life. It's just like just shit everywhere, splattered up the walls. And, yeah, my whole lunch just carved it. It just fell on the ground and splattered everywhere. I still ate it, which is a bit weird because I'm not sure what's been on the kitchen floor, but whatever. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so we are happy to be back again. We are really enjoying ourselves chatting to you all. And again, just so grateful for the wicked feedback that we're getting from you all. So thanks. And we just feel like you're our pals that we um yeah, it's really nice that you've been sliding into our DMs and giving us a little bit of um, encouragement and, uh, yeah. you know, telling us what you want to hear and stuff too. So <laughs> we've got some some cool topics that, that you've chosen um, that we're going to be doing some some pods on as well. 
Um, and as we promised last week, we were going to talk as an extension of our um, pod that we released around staying sane and creative in lockdown um, and the impacts of what that's been like. But how, how now in this change and where the world's headed, the, I guess, conventional ways in which an artist, performer, a creative, uh, you know, a freelancer that's, you know, creating stuff or, you know, whatever it might be, like design, pottery, whatever, you know, that that traditional way of setting up a store um, and physically mm. going in to buy a piece of artwork or doing a dance performance or, you know, being on stage, you know, on screen acting even, you know, even COVID's kind of put barriers up for people in acting jobs and stuff like that and, um, yeah, musicians not being able to perform, photographers and videographers not being able to get out and tour, um, weddings not happening. So, you know, those sorts of creative people that work and that's, you know, making mm. wedding dresses so anything that you can think of um that uh is you know your creative hustle whether it's your full-time or your part-time gig um how has it changed for you right now in this world um and you know we, we just wanted to talk a bit about the impacts and and the changes that's happened and the idea of needing to monetize your creative uh work without it feeling feeling gross or icky mm. um you know you can't really get out and do what traditionally feels right that you you want to go play a gig and you put a door fee on and you get ticket sales and that feels natural because that's 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 the currency in which people mm. get to come and watch that show so how do you now you know tap into a new way of monetizing your creativity without it feeling gross so yes. mgh throwing it over to you yeah, I mean, this was like the biggest hurdle I think I had last year was that in lockdown, um, you know, not being able to shoot and, and, you know, it obviously started in March last year and we've gone in and out and there's been periods of time where I can shoot and then I can't shoot and I can shoot. And so um, the psychological uh, toll on not being able to do your creativity and at the same time finding a way to get income but trying to make it still relevant to your art is really tricky and um I you know I've spoken about this previously before but I did two things one of the things was I started live streaming on Twitch um which is a a streaming platform predominantly has been um known for gaming in the past but it has all types of creatives on there actually if you don't if you're not aware of Twitch and you've never seen it I definitely recommend going on there. You'll be overwhelmed at first because you'll just see lots of gaming, but you can type in keywords and there's stuff like, um, you know, I mean, there's photography, but there's art and um, painting and graphic design. And there's all kinds of artists on there that are just creating while they stream and showing you, mm -hmm. um, I guess, how they create and their, and their processes. And like, I mean, there's a guy on there that I know who makes keyboards, like custom keyboards, and he streams that process and he's got a really big audience. People love watching him create custom wow. keyboards. And like, so there's, you know, there's an audience for everyone. And what I was really surprised in that people wanted to come and pay to watch my content. So last year I got an, a new income stream from people that subscribe to my channel 
and come and watch me um, either teach workshops, creative workshops, or just actually set challenges for the community for them to stay creative um, or industry mm. um, or interview inter- industry professionals with information that's going to be relevant to my community. So really valuable information. So that's the thing that I do on my stream. And, you know, they, my community has told me, I guess, through the fact that they subscribe to my channel, that they find that content valuable. And, um, yes. you know, subscriptions to the channel is, I think it's like $8 Australian per month. Um, yep. So, you know, that's the price of a couple of co- cups of coffee and people are finding the content that I'm producing um, really relevant. And I have between um, 60 to sometimes 460 subscribers in a month so it could really vary it bounces around a lot depending on what's happening but at the height of you know last year it was yeah over 400 at some at at some point so there's people are seeing value in that and it I didn't I didn't find that icky I found that actually very organic um the stuff that I found icky was probably trying to monetize um, the course that I wrote, the masterclass course that I wrote, uh, and there yep. being a bit of a psychological hurdle over seeing courses or people that do courses as selling out and it being this yep. weird, there's so many people that do courses out there with, you know, portraits and weddings and how, and it's always about sell, 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 sell like upsell. And I just found it really gross and and something I always avoided but last year I had an opportunity to really evaluate you know what do I want to do how do I want to um, communicate the all of the stuff that I've learned over the last 10 years and what I found Tamar was like I was being overwhelmed by people constantly asking me for advice and I've always been an open book and I've said you can DM me at any time and I'm constantly replying to people and I'm like what I guess what changed was like when you're thinking about trying to monetize your art and your knowledge was like okay we're in a position now where I can't do what we you know I, I can't shoot but people are still asking me for advice. I'm giving out all of this information. This is valuable. So Mm. I can write. And also the other thing is that there's no other course that exists like this. There's a a huge gap in the market. There's a lot of people that want to know this knowledge. I have 10 years worth of knowledge. What about if I just wrote it down and I put a price on it that I'm comfortable with. It's not thousands of dollars. It's not like this obscene amount of money. It's an affordable price for a music photographer that's entering the scene. And it has mm. all of the information that I would have wanted to know when I started out. So I guess that's how yeah. I got around that psychological hurdle of it feeling a bit gross. And and it, it, took, a, it took a long time. And it still does. Like there's still ways in within the course that I've got two amazing people that help me out with my course and they might suggest something. And I'm like, that just doesn't feel authentic to me. I need the way that I communicate through a video or through something that we do. It needs to feel really authentic. Otherwise I'm going to feel really grossed out by it. So finding those ways that you 
providing valuable information while feeling authentic and being able to commodify it by selling it, all of those things need to align in a way that you feel comfortable with. And that's what I really struggled to find, but it was just through, I guess, a bit of trial and error. And now I'm, I'm comfortable I mean, it's a constant work in progress. I, I'm I'm comfortable yeah. with it at the moment, and there's there's moments where I'm like, okay, I don't I don't want to do it this way, but I'll do it this way. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. And it's compromising, and with your with your own kind of uh, value system, not value system, but just your own your own traditional way of thinking. Um, it feels sometimes that you're yeah. like, okay, so I've got this stuff that's deemed to be valuable. Um, so therefore, but I'm also, I'm uncomfortable about naming a price. I'm uncomfortable about selling some, I'm, I feel uncomfortable about selling something. Some people feel yes. really comfortable with naming a price and they won't yes. budge on it. They'll just state yes. the price. I, I'm this fine is my value. With, with my photography, my actual photography. I'm actually one of yep. the biggest proponents of like, you know, being really, um, proactive and, not being afraid to charge and charge an appropriate fee. Like I'm really comfortable with that. But this was like, mm. I guess I, I had to get over that psychological hurdle of seeing other stuff that made me feel like other people doing it in a way that I didn't feel like it was authentic and making it in a way that I felt was authentic to me. I think that was the hurdle. Yeah. Yes. And I think with with this sort, sort of thing, so say for your photography, you have got clout. You know that. You know that a you know one of your portraits or pieces of work that you've done um, with these amazing uh, artists that you've collaborated with. You know that it's successful in its own right. So when you start to move into a place of this is my knowledge coming out of my head mm. that I normally give away to people for free, and now I need to try and put a value or a price on it, is a whole new way of thinking. Um, especially if you're used to doing mentoring and one-on-one stuff and helping yes. people. And it's quite and hard still, for people I to... I still do that stuff too. I still do those. Of course. It's like just branching out to reach even more people, I guess. Well, that's right. And it's about scaling that stuff. So the hard thing is with music um, or any sort of art or, or creative stuff, it's subjective. So, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, if I go in to do some coaching um and the the objective is deliver deliver this product you know you and your team build and deliver this piece of software Mm -hmm. okay cool so there's an outcome there it's to you know this is what they want it to look like this is what it should be Uh, you know we're going to build and release that in a in a in a you know high performing productive team like Mm. um a to b type thing uh product outcome delivered and when it comes to something subjective you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, how do you put a price on that? How do creative yes. people put a price on that? And, and because it is subjective. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but the, the, outside the subjective thing too, do you feel like we're constantly told as artists that every, like, I don't know that we're, we're meant to do, it's meant to be for free. Like we're meant to be artists and we're meant to just produce this work and there's something mm. that, that makes people feel weird about when you put a price on art which has always been really weird to me I don't I, I don't um mm. I don't agree with that opinion yeah. but I think it's another hurdle that you have to go through that there's a perception 
that perhaps we shouldn't be monetizing what we do or what we do is a hobby. It's a side thing. It's like, it's not yes. something where you derive income from and it's changing that yes. perception as well. Yes. And it's not only that, uh, you know, as it, with people's own internal way of thinking, this is how the world in my perception views mm. views it you know mm. to go and sell out uh you know tickets to uh, a rugby or footy game or, or basketball game whatever that looks like in the sporting realm um it, it's a very kind of clear understanded like a transaction um you know even training courses and stuff in that I know people that do that that it's it's not even a thing it's just like the courses into how to do you know sporting stuff um, or get to the next level with your sporting career, get to the, you know, that's totally fine, but it just seems to be this psychological blank, blank area or just this resistance with um, mm. art and, and trying oh. to, to monetize, which is where I wonder if say it's... we're against it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder if it's, um, I wonder if it's got something to do with, you know, if you're in a sporting game, the the outcome is is that there's gonna there's a winner it's competition mm. it's you know you're going in and that the outcome's very clear that someone's gonna win whether it's a team or an individual or the fastest time or whatever it's almost like a metric that is quite easy for people to understand mm-hmm. you know whereas if you're going to release a song that's subjective that will appeal to some people and help you know, change some people's thinking or day or mood or whatever it looks like. Um, it's just different because it's mm. subjective. And so maybe, I don't know, but that was just something that came to my head that maybe that is why it's easier for people to go and kind of spend money on going to a game or something like that, because it's it's a competition. The outcome's clear. It's like someone's going to go home and win it. Someone's, someone's not. Whereas it's with, with, performing or art or I'm also thinking about music because I think if you're like an artist and you paint a picture the outcome is that you've you know or like I don't know maybe 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 I'm going well, I think there's completely off track no 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 I think there's actually different because I think there is a value attached to an artist when they're at a certain level like I know people mm. that pay $150 to go see Drake but they wouldn't go they wouldn't spend $20 to see their mate play like there's you know what I mean yeah. like there's this yeah um value yeah. attached to people that you have perceived have got a certain level of success so you're willing to pay when they're mm. really successful and have achieved that but not on the come up not for the person that's still struggling through yeah. and that that's where I think I it's see a the- lot of struggle with my friends it's like they're trying to get friends mm. and stuff to come to gigs and they can't even get them to spend twenty dollars on a ticket but they will you know, there's something, there's it's something the tied to that. Yeah. Yeah. The de- yeah. Demand or perceived value of success. I don't know. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Like I have seen quite a few artists like and then now their tickets sell out in seconds because, like, the demand's <laughs> yes. there or whatever. So Yeah, it's um, a perceived value. It's a perceived they're somebody now, so you will pay mm. rather than when they're on the come up or they're still struggling or whatever. And that's, you know, I mean, it's kind of the yes. same in any artistic endeavour. Like, you know, business. you'll pay, yeah. you all business, you'll pay 
more, you know, I'm obviously charging more now than I was charging when I was entry level because there's a perceived value in my um, reputation and my work and what I've been able to prove over the last 10 years. So, you know, I had a, I had someone email me recently that said, I, I gave them a quote and they said, can you please explain why your rates are three times higher than anyone else that I've got quotes for? And I said, yes, mm. I'm mm. really experienced. I have a portfolio that will back it up. And if you want to go have a look at my website, you can check it out and you can choose to go to those people that are a third mm. of the price if you wish. But I do, I feel like my work, you know, it backs up that price and I have mm. no issue with people not being able to afford me that's not my problem like I, I've mm. set a rate that I'm really comfortable with so it's again that's mm. at some point you need to have that um I guess the you believe in yourself enough to charge a certain rate and that, that's the psychological hurdle I had with this is a different form now when you're selling knowledge over my actual art if that makes sense that's what yes. the hurdle was about, the, the, the commodifying yes. of the wisdom, which is mm. a lot. Ten years of like, you know, I've got pages and pages and pages of information that is like do's and don'ts and, you know, all the stuff that I wish I had been told when I first started. And that that is valuable. And, and just mm. I had to just come to that conclusion, I guess, was that that is valuable and not to feel gross about it. Yes. That's that's exactly right. And so for those of you that are listening out there who, you know, you might not be at that level of, you know, um, st- selling out large gigs and making money from that or being booked for, you know, um, ex- like photo shoots where, you know, um, where you get a good rate. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there as well. There is not much money f- for us to be made in the songwriting releasing mm. music space um I think a lot of you would would agree with that unless you've had some sort of commercial success there mm. um money is very hard to make and in particular you know historically musicians would be make the most money out of mm. their tours and merchandise and merchandise um, yes so, yeah yes, not so merchandise. much on the sales anymore it's all about all the streams and, yeah or streams that's yeah. it yeah yeah yeah, so like it's Spotify pays something like zero point one cents a stream, something a like stream. That. Yeah, you need to have millions yes. of streams to start to to make a dent. <laughs> yes, to start. Yes, that's exactly right. And and then also the flip side of that is if you put a, a song out there, it's expensive. If you yeah. want to market yourself and get it like um, authentic growth marketing is very very hard Mm. like people literally like uh the difference of like putting some money aside to spend on marketing and growth and and ads and things like that um to to be able to get your song heard is expensive for people and a lot of artists don't have that money to drop in and you know Mm. I can 100% tell you from one end to the other that I've gone through that that experience of my first single it was backed by a label they chucked a a whole lot of money in there to help with uh marketing it and getting it in front of the right people and it did super well and then 
the other stuff I've decided I'm just going to release this myself organically. I'm going to upload it. I'm not going to spend any money on like extra marketing right now. I'm just going to upload it for my friends. And you can see the significant difference of it getting like streams and things like that. Um, the two the two experiences are totally different for, in terms of getting traction. One's spent yeah. marketing, one's not. Yes, and I mean, yeah, the, that's that, that's what the, I mean, labels are really good at is being able to, you know, you're in the big machine then. It's got all of those outlets and PR and, and all of the places it needs to go to and, it, you know, it gets heard. Yeah, that's what happens. That's it. And like, but, you know, when you're an artist creating stuff and you're trying to understand how business works, how growth marketing works, how content creation works, also creating your craft, rehearsing your instruments and your craft um, and recording it, like that is a lot of stuff for one band or one artist um, to, to have to think about. So I just want to be able to say to you, like, don't be super hard on yourself if you're creating stuff and putting it out there and you're not making a dent or you're not making any money out of it at this point in time. Um, it is, it's an absolute slog. So some of the things people talk about is like, if you, if you're an artist and you really want to stay in that industry, uh, you know, what do you do to make that money? People go and get jobs and, and do coffee or, um, or whatever that looks like. But as Michelle's uh, been talking about, there is opportunity there for you to be able to understand the value in what you're creating. If you can understand what it is that your followers and your listeners are really, really um, valuing about it, um, understand how you can actually make that into different kind of um, pieces of value that they that you can release to people. So like Michelle said, she holds Twitch sessions and people find those valuable. They will come on and they will subscribe. And each subscriber is happy to pay for the advice that she's going to give. So yeah, it might be that you... It's um, yeah. uh, oh, with the Twitch community, you know, it's, it's not just me then. It's also about the community and being involved with, a, you know, like-minded people similar to what Wellbeings Network is doing with Slack as well. It's the same type of vibe in mm. creating a community which is providing valuable knowledge and advice and people of, you know, different walks of life and stuff. So, but I completely yeah. agree with you about finding, um, I guess, what your audience responds to and then being able to, if you can't do the thing that you would usually do, trying to find mm. a way uh, and there's so many different avenues. Like I think merchandise is a really good one. I've seen a lot of my um Yes, you know, photographer friends sell prints and um, yeah, you know, different merchandise like that, and also my band friends selling, trying to sell merchandise that way, and that's a really great way you can support artists in at a yes. time that they can't actually do what they usually do. Yes, and another thing is, you know, content is this value in content, mm. um, obviously, and so you might find that your listeners. And this is that, again, this is that creative hurdle and that psychological hurdle that I've definitely struggled with, that people mm. have said, you know, why don't you um, create a songwriting course for people? Um, and it's the same with you, Mish. And it's mm. like, or why don't you do some video content on, you know, how to um, learn about laryngeal biomechanics? Mm. Okay, cool. And 
it, it is this thing when it is your craft and it's close to home, trying to think uh, of things separately outside of that can feel, can just feel like, oh, I just feel like that's, it shouldn't happen like that. I just feel like organically people should um, want to come to my shows and want to download my music and buy it. Um, but it doesn't necessarily happen that easy for people. And I think, yeah, it's just, it's just about, you know, thinking about other ways. So for instance, for me, um, I had, you know, Michelle, with your experience, you know, you walked away from your office job, threw it all in and you went hard and you doubled down Mm. with music, uh, sorry, with um, music photography. Um, For me, I um, did, you know, simultaneous careers. So, you know, Mm. getting in the technology space and the product development space and, um, the coaching space whilst doing the music and I wasn't really Mm. ever sure how those those two things would cross over but you know now there is things that I'm doing like you know content that that I'm about to be releasing for people on how to use music to break down um you know to make psychological safety happen in a workplace so that's valuable stuff people want to know how how do how do I use music to create psychological safety in my in my workspace like what you can do that so that doesn't feel icky to me that feels to me it's like people actually want to know that stuff yeah and yeah sure it might not be that my music you know my music's got millions and millions of downloads but I can't force that I can't you can't you know so while you're waiting if that's what you're after like for that big uh you know bang to happen I don't know like don't stop what you're doing keep keep going and you can try and find other ways to, um, you know, use your creativity to make, you know, to make things kind of feel, you know, you're enjoying things along the way you're creating and you found a little niche. That's the key. I think is if you, I mean, Mm. I don't think anyone really goes into a creative pursuit to make money. Like I feel like that the common thread with most people that I know is like, we do art, and art related stuff because we love it and Mm. it can get frustrating if the monetary success is not there but if you go back to the core root of what you're doing and why you're doing it Mm. go back to the enjoyment and the joy and finding out like really going back to why you first started it um bring the joy especially at this time bring the joy back bring you know try and take the pressure off a little bit um yes and then I think sometimes you get the spark to go oh my god yes I could actually monetize this section or I could actually do this like because you're just taking the pressure off for a minute so like just taking it back to remembering why you first started and that's um, that's something that's definitely worked for me and I think also just do you find this as well like artists musicians creatives are so resourceful I think I think mm, because we know definitely we know how to live in uh, times of just not having much money because I think that's what we're used to. So I mean, <laughs> it's so funny. I think that a lot of the people that are not coping as much during this time are people that are not like the artists and creatives. I feel like are doing okay. It's like oh, this is just like it's hard. It's even harder than it usually is. But we're kind of used to it being hard. It's the yeah, people like that oh, I doing- haven't I haven't had a 
Yeah, I hear. Yeah, you. the people that have the the nine to five jobs that are used to like everything, you know, being a certain way. That this is, I guess, we're used to uncertainty. We're used to paychecks. Uncertainty, ambiguity. Know, yeah. Yes, ambiguity. People, yeah. things like just being all over the place. Like we thrive in those situations. So I might, you know, just from the outside looking in, I guess. Well, not well. I'm in it as well, but just like seeing, you know, a lot of my artists and creative friends are actually. They're, I mean, it sucks for everyone, but they're all, they're, they're surviving. They're doing okay. And some of my other friends yeah. that are in other jobs and stuff are really, really struggling. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. very interesting and how artists can be resourceful like that. Absolutely. It's, you know, oh, it's been a month since, and I don't know where my next paycheck is coming from. Yeah. Like that's, that's just, <laughs> and what? <laughs> oh, I've got to land a job. Yeah. Yeah. And keep going. Keep and going, so, yeah. you know, yeah. big shout out to everyone that, you know, there's this a layer of, so there's, there's this layer of vulnerability um, that is so, it's fearless when you allow yourself to be so vulnerable by releasing a piece of your art, which is, it's an extension of you. It's like mm. basically like, open up your heart and have a look inside everyone in your head. Like that vulnerability is really courageous. The fact that you release that stuff out into the world for other people to then do what they will with it. That is a massive thing, but also the resilience, the resilience. So when you do let that art out there, is it going to be, you know, are you going to make any money from it? Is are people going to enjoy it? Are they going to be mean about it? Are they going to love it? Are they going to, and this is something that is really that's full on stuff to be doing. Yeah. That is, yeah. you know, and so um, I think that, yeah, I just think that that's a really amazing thing. And that's why not everyone can be creatives and, and, and artists and, and release yes. that stuff. Because I think we need to remember mm. that too. Like not everyone can do what we're doing. Sometimes we need to take, the, you know, a bit of a, the pressure off ourselves because we, you know, mostly creatives are a little bit more sensitive um, and, mm. and feel a lot more and stuff like that. But we, you know, we do thrive in those um, uncertain situations. So, um, so mm. many people I know have being able to, you know, be just be very resourceful in this time and, and pivot in certain ways that have been just really inspiring. So um, mm. it forces you to, to reconsider mm. everything and, and through that desperation, you know, people find brilliance, which is really cool. Yes. And I was reading a book not long ago, which I thought was really cool. Um, it's um, was, oh, what was it? Oh, gosh, I can't even remember what the name of it. I think it was The, the Fear of Art, I think it was. Ah, um, I feel like I've heard of that title. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've like completely, like, I was just going to say <laughs> the book taught me heaps, but I just, I was like, going to like literally hone in on one thing. And now it's like, yeah. I've completely it's gone. lost it. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of Next those podcast. days. Next podcast. You, can <laughs> yeah. mention. you know that book that I was talking about? Oh, this book. I just remembered. I just remembered. Oh, yes. Okay. Good. So what, what I what I found is that there was a bit of a trend of people like uh you know among me for a little while there that was like people are like quitting music and mm. I'm quitting I'm done I can't mm. deal with the ambiguity it's, yeah. it's such a slog I see that I'm well. sick of I'm sick of people like put it you know working hard and no one gives a shit like all mm. those sorts of narratives going on around me and 
but what I found fascinating was that in this book, um, it was telling me that uh, it was saying that there was quite a lot. It's quite often that people that decide to hang up the, sh- the boots or whatever and quit their creative endeavors end up turning to jobs or occupations that are uh, very factual and mathematical based, which mm-hmm. is interesting mm-hmm. because, because there's no ambiguity. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's like logical and process driven rather than just yes. intuition yes, and feeling so, and all over the place. <laughs> yes. Because they're yeah. so tired of the ambiguity and the subjective yeah. side of things Yeah, uh, that they end up going, Oh, okay. So becoming a, an electrician, well, yeah. you know, that's maths and it's, you know, well, people going into, you know, science where it's all factual based. It's so fascinating. I thought, yeah. Yeah. um, and it makes complete sense because people just want results. They want facts yes. um, yes. and playing in the world of ambiguity, you know, ambiguity can cause, um, you know, definitely cause people anxiety. It's a huge trigger for anxiety is, is ambiguity. Um, so I thought that was really interesting, but also one thing I want to say as well is take some risks. Um, you know, like, I mean, within reason if you you know like not just really stupid ideas but just like yeah take some measured risks yes. around what you're doing like yes if things aren't quite working uh try something a little different maybe take a risk and and um and see where that that might land you but I mean I'm not saying that in terms of like I don't want someone to be like Tammy you seem to for me to take a risk so I like quit my job and started busking on the streets and we're in lockdown like I, I don't know but it, like... I think we know like everyone <laughs> all, all the guests that we've spoken to and all of these people that are, you know uh, are killing it out there there's something common in that they there has been at some point a moment where they've taken a risk and it's paid off um, it's a really yes. common thread with successful people it's like you're not going to get mm. anywhere sitting on the sidelines or cruising you yeah. need to sit you need yeah. to get into a point that's really uncomfortable and it'll be uncomfortable mm. for a while and that's that's the sweet spot that's where you know some some magic will happen so I also yeah so you can blame both of us for saying to take this. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to be in charge of what kind of risks you take we're just saying no be <laughs> responsible for yourself I'm very big on um agency so taking responsibility yes. for your own life and not blaming other people, but accountability, yes. Um, however, we can just yep. give you a little push, a little push in the right direction. Yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. And far out, man, I have done some interesting jobs along the way. <laughs> What's the weirdest job you've done, MGH? The weirdest job? Uh, uh, I've, I mean, I was a driver on a film... Uh, so I was a driver for Dakota Fanning on Charlotte's Web, which is not really weird. It was just quite <laughs> left of centre. You know, you're working on a big film and you, you're working for this hugely famous artist. But it was weird because all I did was drive. I didn't do anything else. I just drove Dakota to set every day, watched Charlotte's How Web. You, you're shoot. such a gangster. How did you get that job? You it's honestly really keep surprising random. me. It's very <laughs> random, but I, I, um, it's, I met this guy that was, um, when my, when Jarvis came back, he, Jarvis went overseas for a year in like 2004 traveling. And when he came back, he had a bunch of new friends. And one of the guys mm. was, um, was like the transport coordinator on in for really big films. 
and yeah. he was telling me what he did. And I was working in logistics at that time. And I was like, I was just like, I could do your job. Like I could totally do your job. You should like totally give me a job. And just like being just super cheeky. Oh, and I, wow. at the time I was working at Melbourne football club as the event manager. And I hated my job. I wanted to leave. I hated it. I hated mm. working six days a week. I had a, a new boss that was really shit. And it was just like the worst time of my life. And then I ended up, mm. um, ended up quitting and not having anything to go to. It was really, I was just mm. like, I'm just going to quit and see what happens. And wow. um, like seven days later, he called me and was like, yo, do you want to come do this job? And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yes. Randomly just happened. Uh, and I ended up working in film for a while, actually. I ended up the next job, I was his like transport coordinator. So I ended up coordinating all of the drivers like that. I ended up kind of going back into logistics and stuff. So just through randomly wow. just meeting a person one time and just being an obnoxious little shit and saying, I can do your job because, you know. I can do your job. <laughs> so in a joking funny. manner, I was joking. But, um, yeah, that's how that happens. And that's probably the the weirdest. I mean, it's pretty weird to dr- drive a yeah. Hollywood star and their family was Dakota and Elle it was both of them and Dakota was 12 and Elle was like seven at the time and then their mum and dad and their teacher and stuff I used to drive them every day um which is super weird so random (laughs) super random yeah I love it I didn't even know that that's so funny Uh, oh wow so many past lives that is just very strange Mm. like yeah what about yourself I feel like I had this job you said you had a weird job what's a weird one yeah Oh, well, probably a weird one. Well, there's been a few. So not so weird was like doing radio ads once for when I was younger. Um, probably one weird one <laughs> was that I used to go into a, a, a printing. Okay, this is, yeah, it's a bit weird. Um, <laughs> a us. printing business, <laughs> a printing business that like printed out like anything, like invitations, whatever. But I used to have to go in uh, uh after school on a Friday for a few hours and my job was to grease the nipples on the machines <laughs> that's her oh my god that's so funny that's hilarious. I had to get like a, I literally just had to go in and grease the nipples and they called them nipples and I was like what like what do you have so that like, yeah, your CV the- do you have like nipple greaser because like you know <laughs> it could be a I got few really different good industries. Could be a few <laughs> industries where they need nipple greases. So yeah, let's go. Yeah, I was like, got paid an hourly rate going there. I, I knew where every single nipple on every machine was, and I'd just yeah fill it up with grease and then move on, go off, go off and meet my friends. That was one job. The other one was probably I used to have to dress up as a giant purple bear, Reuben the road safety bear. That's and, um, weird. What the hell? <laughs> what do you mean? A giant. I used bear. to have to go. <laughs> I used to have to go into like <laughs> schools and stuff and uh, teach kids about road safety dressed up as a bear. But the bear was massive, like uh, like massive, like a, a Disney sized bear. And um <laughs> But you're yeah. not massive, you have to you're go- tiny, so. No. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to go on with a special helper as well because you literally couldn't see because like the feet anything. were like size 15, like oh the head God. was real hot. But I remember I went, I drove like an hour and a half out in regional New Zealand to go to the school and they were all so psyched about seeing this 
big road safety bear. And I got out there and I <laughs> I only packed the head. <laughs> I forgot the body. You need my purple hoodie that I've got on today. It would have been perfect. I do need my purple hoodie. <laughs> but I was like, oh, no, I've just driven an hour and a half and my booking is now and I've only got the head. I forgot so you had to the go in there just with the head. Like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yes. That's yes. So hilariously funny. That's so funny. Oh, the kids are like... Why is Ruben so skinny? And like, where's where's Ruben? And I was like, yeah, right here. Oh my god, that is. At least it wasn't just the body, because that would have been way weirder. Just the body in your head, Poppy. <laughs> what would have I done? I don't know. I don't even know oh what god. I would have done. It's oh, quite well, rational. Weird, weird jobs, everybody. We've we've done them all. We've done. <laughs> The things we'll do for money, you know? Yeah. So that's what we mean. Get creative. It's not like, you know, we've had to work our butts off. And I know that all of you are slogging out there. And, um, but, you know, take a few weird jobs up if you need to. Challenge yourself. Get out of your comfort zone. Get cre- like you are creative. Get creative with how you make money as well. And yes, then you get funny it. stories as well. Like, the, yes, like these ones. Exactly. So. Exactly. So maybe we should get people. <laughs> to tell us their their weirdest funniest job as well that would be funny to see yes we would like to hear that we'd love to hear that yeah let's let's put that on our story and ask everyone that's a good idea yeah (laughs) love it all right okay thank you everyone we thanks everyone for listening yes great and we'll we'll see you soon see you soon okay bye. bye bye Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.